Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to Drew and Sam Talk Training. This week, we get the fabulous joy of talking to two area supervisors for Team Hishme, Nolan Beck and Ian Clark. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having us on the show. Doing good, guys. It is our pleasure. I am not going to pick which one of you starts. I'm just going to throw it out there. Why don't you tell our listeners your story? One of you, start talking. Hi guys, uh, this is Ian. Um, I've been a supervisor since 2011, so it looks like we're on 11 years now. I started as a GM in 2009, got promoted relatively quickly with the Garrity Group. Um, and then in 2014, the Hishmaid bought our company and I've been with them as a supervisor ever since. Um, there was one point we had up to, I had up to 12 stores and my other guy had uh, 12 as well. And then we have, brought on Nolan. So now we split it up three ways, which is a lot nicer. Um, I love my job, doing a long time. Um, I was lucky enough to win Supervisor of the Year in 2016. Um, um, now I sit on the Supervisory Advisory Board for the Western Region, and we get to go around places like Ann Arbor. We got to go to St. Jude and speak. Um, this year, we're looking at a September visit to bring up to talk on the advisory board. So um, that's my story, guys. That's his story, and he's sticking to it. That's, <laughs> that's it. Right. And, and mine's a little bit different. Um, I started back in 2005 in, in Lawrence, Kansas, with a one-store franchise uh, tag team pizza. Um, and I was with them for a good four years. And then I moved to St. Louis, and I worked for Central Missouri Pizza. Um, and that's where I got my first GM position. Um, I was with them for a good about four or five years. And then I moved uh, back home to uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and I worked uh, with the franchise there for about another four years. Um, then my wife and I, uh, we got pregnant and decided we wanted to move out to Arizona. And so we moved out here and of course, anytime you start with a franchise, you kind of have to start all over and improve yourself. And um, I am, you know, uh, was the one I was able to contact ahead of time before we moved down here. And so he's kind of been my mentor ever since I've been here. And I've been blessed with the opportunities they've been able to provide me here. Because um, within uh, two and a half years of being here, um, I have my my position of being area supervisor and it's something that I strive for for a very long time and you know now I'm, I'm finally here and I realize it's it's a lot more work than what most GMs think a supervisor does um, but uh, I, I did uh, when I, I first got to this franchise I won a rookie GM of the year with them um, and as, as an area supervisor I've been trying to think of creative ways to kind of build my team. And so I, I now run a, uh, a training program for us. And I also uh, do a podcast myself um, that you guys uh, partially inspired me to do uh, when I saw one of your training podcasts on, on Facebook. And so I thought that was a really cool idea. And I knew uh, 
back in 2016, ironically enough, before I knew Ian and he won Supervisor of the Year, that was my first rally I went to. And that that was also kind of when I made that decision. I was gonna be, you know, dominoes for life. And this was gonna be a career path I was gonna stick to and kind of go towards. And, you know, I wanted to bring that feeling from the rally to my people in my area a lot more than every two years and have, uh, you know, guests that have gone through struggles and obstacles and have that leadership experience that they could share with my people. And it's on a, a weekly or monthly basis instead of every two years. Um, so that's kind of why I, I, I do my podcast. It's called the 40 Pet Podcast, if any of you uh, want to take a gander at it. Um, but we mainly talk about leadership and and how to kind of get through the tough times, how to mold people, how to, you know, learn how to, you know, teach people. And I think that's, you know, an, an art that is not easily learned and it's not taught um, very well through school. And I think us as a franchise, you know, we take a high priority in molding our people to become leaders, not just you know, managers. And so we, we lean heavily on that, that term leadership. And, uh, you know, anytime we train anybody stepping into leadership, we make it a focus that we're not managing pizza, we're, we're managing people. Um, because that's kind of, if, if our people aren't happy, or they're not skilled enough, or they're not, you know, trained well enough, you know, our business is going to fail. And so I think that's, that's my motivation for starting my podcast and, and what you guys are doing is, is really awesome. And, and obviously you're inspiring people out there. So thank you for having me on this. Well, thanks so much for that with, uh, with two guests and two stories. Obviously there's a lot to unpack there. So, so let's jump into the, the podcast just a little bit more, because obviously that's how we connected. Uh, we're going to be interviewing a guest that you've had on later on and she sent me a copy of that podcast yeah with two guests uh and two stories a lot to unpack there let's start with the podcast and we're going to be interviewing a guest that you had on and she was kind enough to send me a link to your podcast and that's kind of how i found it i've listened to probably six or seven of your episodes doing a great job out there getting inf information to your team and you told us what kind of motivated you to do that how's the reception been with your team uh, pretty good actually um the one thing about my podcast is I, I i wanted it to obviously be informational um and i wanted them to get that motivation that that i got anytime i listened to you know something on youtube or facebook or even at the rally and one thing I really noticed is like, even I ha even though I have these great speakers, the best part about what they really like is Rocco and, and the commercials, which <laughs> is, is honestly just kind of like some gimmicks to make it fun. You know, the reason we do it is we want to build a culture of, of leadership and that we care about molding our people into not just successful dominoes people, but successful in life as well. So let me jump in there for just a second, because you just mentioned something that I absolutely wanted to talk to you about. Because uh, if I'm being 100% transparent, it was the part of the podcast that I liked the best as well. 
tell us about Rocco. Who the hell is he and where did he come from? So, so I am Rocco. <laughs> and honestly, uh, Rocco uh, started in one of my commercials in one of my first episodes. I did a commercial and it was kind of like the Godfather theme. And it was about, uh, I believe it was about, you know, somebody, Rocco was having struggles in his store. And he goes to the Godfather asking for help. And, and the Godfather gives him some advice on how to take care of the customer and why it's important to take care of that customer. And if you do, they're going to be your customer for life. And he's got this really gruff voice and he's just kind of got this diehard attitude. And he sounds like somebody that would complain a lot. And when you actually listen to what Rocco has to say, like, he might have some a little bit of justification in his complaints, but in the end, his his main purpose and goal is to just try to solve the problem without causing issues or frustrations between either employees or even you know the customers and stuff. And so, I I, I got requests uh, to bring Rocco back after that commercial. And I thought he was a pretty perfect character for what annoys me. He's got that, I'm annoyed voice. And, uh, you know, and people have really uh, come to liking to him. <laughs> and that is awesome to take that character and do something with it. Speaking of characters, Ian, you've been sitting there kind of quiet for like the last four or five minutes. So I figured I'd pull you back in. Is that all right? Absolutely. Just when I thought I was out. So, Ian, um, I understand the supervisor of the year. I just want to clarify for our listeners, that was the national one. Yes, sir. And congratulations on that, because I think that was the year in between when I was picking the, the winners, because I picked in 15, 17, and 18. I didn't pick 16. So, congrats. You got that without any support or help from me. <laughs> well, thanks, Drew. <laughs> because, because you needed so much of it. I, I remember your numbers, though, which were amazing. But I want to actually talk about the West Region Advisory Board because much like the podcast, the advisory board had a similar function in the beginning. So can you tell us more what that supervisory ad, uh, advisory board does? Yes, sir. Um, we kind of thought here at Domino's that, you know, we have a lot of support for GMs and the franchisees. They have a, you know, the FMS school. There's a lot of, there's a lot of resources for a, a lot of the people in Domino's except for the supervisor. The supervisor was... It's, there has not been really a great training source for them. And that this group was literally created for the supervisors to be able to have a voice um, and learn with other great supervisors. And it started in Tucson, Arizona, about seven years ago. We had a small group. I think it was under 100. And it's grown ever since then with really, really great supervisors. I think almost every Western region supervisor of the year is on that board now or has been on that board. Um, and we just collaborate. And there's a group of us, I think there's 12 of us now. And um, we get the chance to put our training stops together. We really talk a lot about leadership. And our number one goal is to help supervisors that are just starting. And even the ones that are kind of in the old, and, and I, sometimes I offend people by saying this, but in the old dinosaur ways of thinking of dominoes, um, there's some old school stuff out there that we're trying to get rid of. Um, but the idea is, is just having a, a source of education for supervisors out there that we don't think was out there for a long time. And it's really, really great 
what I see happening. And when I went to the rally and I got to, I, I ran into some supervisors that said, hey man, about two years ago, I heard you speak and you talked about certain tactics I'm to this day still using. Um, so it's really great that we're making an impact out there on a, on a little, a subgroup of dominoes that I honestly think was not necessarily forgot about, but we, we didn't have something there for them to learn and understand. There was not there. Now, now it is. I, I really appreciate that. It's actually, I wanted to ask about that because it's why I left corporate was because the supervisor at Domino's, especially in the franchise side, has just been ignored for, well, 10 years, I guess. I mean, around 2012 was when legal told me I could no longer teach the supervisor class to franchisees. So that's, that's totally why I left to, to fill that too. So I completely appreciate what you guys do out, out in that West advisory board. It's awesome. Thanks, man. I, I think we've got a great group. And it's one of the cool things about that is I have, uh, they, it sounds really silly and I know, you know, but they've taught me just as much as I've, I've taught them. I've, I've got, I've, I've been really lucky. I think I'm the only member on the board that's been to every single advisory board um, meeting that we've had. And I've just been so lucky to hear from great people all the time. I got to hear Stan Gage at St. Jude's in 2019. And, and we got to hear some great stories there. And it kind of changed my whole, you know, paradigm of thought at St. Jude's thinking about, you know, I, I think I have problems. And um, so it's really allowed me as a person and to just kind of understand what's going on out there. And, 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 you know, and obviously now as a supervisor, I don't necessarily sweat the small stuff like I used to. And, you know, it's, it's been 10 years of that, but it's changing my perspective as well. Yeah, it's funny how a, a change in perspective can help you go about the way that you lead folks and how not sweating the small stuff can help the big stuff become far more clearly focused and you can start to really make some, some, some great strides in the business. I, and you mentioned something about some of the older folks that are in Domino's pizza, which I immediately took offense because I am old, but uh, you know, you mentioned the dinosaurs and some of the old ways. What would you say if you had to think about it, what is, your number one thing from back in the day that doesn't necessarily translate to leadership today as well as it did back in the day. Sam, I'm going to give you two things, and I've spoke about it many times, and the greatest, I've, I've heard so much excellent feedback on these two exact things. The first one was all my general manager, in Domino's Pizza Old, all general managers used to close. Um, and there's several reasons for that. I know our business was really big back then um, at, at night. Um, and I know we were just one of those businesses that we were always in the shadows in the sense we had those little tiny box stores in the inner side of the strip malls, really quiet. Um, and I, when I started with GM in 2009, I, was, I, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. Um, so I started opening and I had so much bigger impact on my just personal business. And, as, and, and I think even the super, my supervisor at the time did not like it. My franchisee at the time did not like it. But it grew my business in so many ways, not just PCYA or order count. That, that was obvious. But when it came to just my general operations, because I was able to affect so many more things, such as hiring, such as just getting the store ready for the night. Um, and then my, and my other thing, which was this was the, I got the biggest pushback in every single, maybe the first two um, times I ever spoke about this, or even in my own organization when I first started, was everybody said, the GM needed to be at the cut table. And, you know, that's what I was taught. So I did that for the first month or two and I never understood it. And we were 
it was like a lockdown. I was in a weird, I felt like I was in jail and I couldn't move. And so when I started speaking on, I don't want my general managers anywhere near the cut table. As a matter of fact, I don't want them in any locked position. Um, I, I really, even in, in some of the times I got to speak at the advisory board at the very beginning in 2000, I think it was maybe 15 people, there was actual franchisees that got up and said, hey, how do you run your labor? I, how do you, and I'm like, not only did I run my labor, I ran my organization like I was like on a, a traffic control. I, I mean, I, I nailed it. I was able to touch every part of my business and I, I jumped off that cut table. I was in jail. And so going back now is now, I'm actually going to these groups and I'm hearing the opposite. My GMs are starting to open. My, I would never let my GM on the cut table. And I, and I believe that movement started, you know, five, six years ago, we finally started talking about this, you know, the old school mentality of Domino's Pizza where we were, we were in the shadows all the time. We were just, we were a night store. We were running $7,000 businesses and, you know, we were making four different products. And, you know, let me jump in there for just a second. I think what you just said a moment ago is the biggest change between old school dominoes and new school dominoes. When we were running $7,000 a week restaurants, we could be on the cut table and direct traffic. But now that we're running stores that are doing much significantly more than that, the cut table is a 100% full focus eyes on the task. And if you leave for 15 seconds, pizza start to die on the floor. When we were back in the day talking about the general manager running the cut table, that was a transition from even farther back in the day where the GM ran the store from the dough table. So going to the cut table was a significant advantage in leadership styles. And at the time, it was what needed to be done. But Ian, you're absolutely right. It can't be done today because of the sheer volume. And the fact that you even took it further and said that a general manager should not be changed to any specific task. Oh my gosh. So what you're saying is general managers should manage? Absolutely. That's what's got to happen today. When, when I transferred down here, like I, I was old school Domino's manager on cut table. And, you know, he told me, I don't want you on cut table. And, and my job dropped. I, I was like, are you, are you kidding me? And like one thing I realized when, when I removed myself, I was available to fix the problems, right? And I mean, that's what a, a manager should do. General manager is there to fix problems, right? And it freed me up for that. But also, and, and most importantly, like I was able to manage my life outside of work a lot better, you know, not having to close and being allowed to open and work on making schedules to where I can make an efficient schedule and I have the time to do that. Like it just, it alleviated a lot of those unnecessary stresses because we were stuck at, at the cut table when we were doing it old school, school ways. And it also taught me skills on how to handle a lot of those problems without me being the one fixing the problem. Like I had to learn how to delegate and manage. And, and that's like, the most important part about it is our GMs, like some of them might be a GM the rest of their career, but most of them probably want bigger, better things, right? And 
you know, if you are that GM that just kind of takes over and does everything, you don't learn how to delegate. Well, the next level, that's all you do. You're, it, it's all delegation. And that's something that I personally, you know, it, it was a struggle for me to learn that aspect of the job. I can't be the one fixing the problems. I got to bring the problems to their attention and allow my GMs to learn how to fix it. I used to joke when, when I was running shifts, which was literally my last door as a GM was 2001. I would tear it. Like if you were under a 50 pie hour, you could run your store from the dough table because you're only making like a pie an hour or a pie a minute. Right. And then like, it was like a hundred items was the cut table. Like once you passed a hundred items, you were so focused on the task, you weren't running the store anymore. And when I was trying to explain this to people 20 years ago, that it's time to, to, to not lock down. Same thing, like eyes glaze over. Like I have to, I have to be assigned a position. No, no. Your title's actually manager. It's not pizza maker. It's not oven tender. It's manager. Um, yeah, love it that you guys are doing that. And it's amazing the results you get when you start to do that and the way your team elevates then too. All good things always happen. It, it all goes down to, you know, employee morale and, and, you know, the GMs, they're probably the most important figure in the entire company. Like they're, they're the ones who make the store run and they're making the big decisions in the store. They're, they're fixing those problems. Why they're all chairman circle people now. <laughs> exactly. They, they honestly, they, they deserve it. And, you know, I think GMs kind of have been put on the back burner for a long time. You know, it was the powerhouse person in the store. And as long as they were hitting numbers, they were doing a good job. But in reality, at, at home, they were struggling. And, you know, getting a culture of where people want to stick in with a company, they have to enjoy it. They have to feel their value, what they think their value is. And I think Domino's as a corporate company is starting to realize that. One thing I, I saw at the rally in particular was they made a point to let the GMs know how much we really are grateful for what they did in the past two years of COVID. And, you know, as, as a supervisor, and I was a GM when COVID first happened. So I know what the struggles were as a GM. And I also know what the struggles were as, as a supervisor I'm still dealing with. And I will tell you that the struggles as a GM a lot harder. And I, I like to, to see that change in, in taking care of our GMs and in our franchise, that's kind of a number one priority for us. Um, and I, I encourage any other franchises out there, you know, take care of your GMs. I mean, you take care of them, they'll take care of your employees. Employees will take care of the customer. And guess what? The customer will take care of your business. To add on to what you said, you know, I would say one of the oldest dinosaurs I know in the business, someone that's been around since the very beginning, in fact, our mutual friend Stan Gage interviewed Tom Monahan. And he asked Tom, what is the most important position in, this, in, in the organization? And Tom said, well, the three most important positions in Domino's Pizza are the general store manager, the general store manager, and the general store manager. And, you know, Tom knew that from the very beginning. And I think that Domino's Pizza has gone through a cycle where at some point we lost sight of just how important the general manager is. 
Drew and I both have experience with the operations evaluation team. And I can tell you in no uncertain terms that my six years as an evaluator, within five minutes of stepping foot into a Domino's Pizza restaurant, I could tell you if the manager was good or bad, whether they were there or not. Because the culture they create, the vibe they create, the eye for detail that they instill in their team, the expectations that they set, and the way they go about their business is going to determine whether or not Domino's Pizza is successful. So when you think about Domino's Pizza's goal of being the number one pizza company in the world and in every neighborhood, I would say the seemingly smaller part of that goal, the and in every neighborhood, is absolutely by far exponentially tenfold more important than the first part of that goal. Because if we're not number one in every neighborhood, there is no way we will ever be able to maintain our number one position in the world. And the people that maintain that number one in every neighborhood, franchisees, I love you to death, but it's not you. It's your general managers in the store that come into contact with all of our team members who therefore come in contact with all of our customers. So Nolan, that's, I mean, you guys are on the right track. The general managers always have been and always will be the backbone of what makes Domino's Pizza successful. Ian, you said um, that when you first started as a supervisor, I kind of want to circle back to that for just a second, uh, because this is a question that, that I've always been pretty passionate about. Uh, you said when you started, you had 12 stores. And now that you've brought on Nolan, you've got a little bit less. If you were king for a day and you had no one to answer to, what would just can I clarify something? If he had the choice, he'd have zero and I'd have all. <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> so, Ian, if you were king for a day uh, and Nolan wasn't a microphone hog, much like I am, uh, how many stores would you say is the perfect number of stores for a supervisor to be effective? Honestly, in that range of five to seven, and, and I say that from a not from necessarily a workload um, side point of view. I look at it as more of, I get to spend that amount more time with my GMs. Um, I, I, so I, at one point I had 12 and I think the lowest I've had was six at one point. Um, but that five to seven range, and I know sometimes financially it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to for a franchise to probably hear that, but Five to seven, and, and it's what I do is I spend every single, and this is where, and this is where another unpopular opinion that I, that I've, you know, that I have, is I spend eighty percent of my pie chart of my day or of my time with my GM, um, and I'm not saying it's not important to spend it with my assistants or with my driver. I'm not saying it's not important, but what I mean is my impact has to be with that general manager. Um, so I spend, and and I, and I think the reason I've been, you know, successful in this brand is because of my philosophy about lifting up the GM and, and my specific role with them is to not only, you know, give them my time and my effort and my, you know, it's their, it, I let them branch off and I let them be the caretakers of, you know, the, their, their 10 to 20 employees, depending on the store level. But I, I spend my time with them. And if you, if you start expanding your store count beyond that, you don't, you don't get that. You, you know, you're, uh, we do a lot of HR stuff, you know, so you're, you know, a little bit of your pie charts taken up with that. You know, you, you do a lot of, there's, there's certain things that you do that just automatically taken up. So the more you have, I have less time with, 
with those leaders in the store. So my, that five to seven range is, is really appropriate. And more importantly is my, is my biggest advice if anybody's listening to this is take, allocate your time to the GM. And if you do the right thing and you do a really good job, they will take care of the rest with the assistants, with the drivers, with the store, with the, and, and, and a lot of people say, I need to, you need to touch everybody. And I do, but that's not where I spend my time. It's not what I, it, I, 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 it's just me and a general manager. That's the relationship that I, I work for. And once I find the good one, and once we, you know, we develop them, the store is amazing every single time. Well, for what it's worth, um, I think those opinions are very popular and I would be in the same range of that five to seven. And I would a hundred percent agree that you should be spending the bulk of your time with the general manager because a, that follows the chain of command, but B, you should be developing the general manager to develop their teams. It's not your responsibility to develop their teams. It's your responsibility to develop your team and your team is the general manager. So I'm, I am, 83% with you. You had me at 100% until you said, if anybody's listening to this. Dude, this is our podcast. People are listening. Uh, you know what, though? As a, as a counterpoint, I, I agree with the five to seven stores. Uh, let's forget geography for a second. But I think the other key component to that, you mentioned the HR piece, is the total number of team members. I know when I was with corporate, when we had supervisors that had six or seven stores and they crossed that 200 or 220 team member line, it became too much that the HR piece of that pie just overwhelmed them. So that would be the other piece of it. The only time I would suggest going to lesser stores is once you cross like that 170, 180 team member number, which I, I monster stores, but that's still, I would. That'd be my like qualifier. Yeah, Drew, I, I, I think that's that's perfect. And, and that's another thing is if you if, if this job starts becoming too much of the HR portion of your pie chart of the day, um, because that how I taught Nolan or how I teach any of the supervisors is take turn your day into a pie chart and how are you spending it? How are you? I want you to visually look at that. But if it if that HR piece becomes too big, you have to act um, because you're not going to be effective at all. And I want you to be able to look at that and understand. Sometimes it might be your fault, but sometimes it might just be the workload or the caseload that you have. So um, you're right about that. That employee count is huge. And and as a franchisee listening, I you know I would I would hope that they that they take that into account when they are hiring supervisors or when they're looking at their store counts. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic stuff. So we are nearing the end of our time together, and we typically end with the same question for everybody. So I'm going to hit you both with this question. And uh, Nolan, I'm going to have you answer it first and I and you can go second. But I want you to think about leadership and people who have influenced you and think back all the way to kindergarten up until yesterday. And who is your favorite teacher and why? Well, um, honestly, and this is going to set sound bias or you might think it's because I'm sitting right in front of them, but Ian has honestly been one of the most influential mentors I've had in, in, in my life. Um, and it's honestly, it's, it's the way he, he talks to me. It's the way he motivates me. It's, it's honestly the way he allows me when I was a GM to 
be creative and be me as a GM. And honestly, like allows me to make mistakes and, and teaches me, you know, when I'm struggling and, and when I'm feeling, you know, on that awesome high, he brings me down a little bit. So I don't, you know, get this overgrown ego. And he's honestly, he's, he's taught me through example that taking care of your people and also taking care of like making sure that you yourself are happy is what this job's about. It's not about low times. It's not about ADT. It's not even about the profits because if you, you are getting the profits, but your team doesn't want to work, it's, it's, you're going to be in trouble anyways. But if you have a team that wants to work for you and when you go home, you're able to spend time with your family and focus on that and not have to worry about phone calls when you're at home, he makes sure that that's a priority for his jams. And, and I've tried to take that on and, and how I kind of run my area. And you know, he'll tell you I'm, I'm more, uh, trying to be in the stores fixing the problems and he tells me all the time to step away from that um, because they have to learn just like i learned and and so and continuously he he mentors me and, and i have a lot of respect for that man he's he's helped me out with a lot of things even you know outside of work um and and that's what it's about honestly that's an awesome answer how about you Ian? favorite teacher and why um this is the easy one for me. It's my fourth grade teacher. Her name is Mrs. Rose. Um, and I say that because she taught me the most important thing in life, which was kindness, compassion. And ever since then, and I didn't know it at the time, but ever since then, every single decision that I've made is based behind that one thing is, is it nice? Is it, is it, am I kind? Am I doing the right thing? And sometimes kindness is you know, really different. You know, sometimes you still have to be tough and hard, but um, I learned through that woman that everything else in this world doesn't mean anything besides making sure that you're making an effect on somebody else's life. And she made a, she made a huge effect on my life personally. She was super nice to me at a time where I wasn't confident and I didn't understand things. Um, and, you know, I, I, re I just, I remember as I grew up realizing at the time I did not know what was going on. I, I was too young, I think, but realizing that all, anything that really does matter is just how you individually touch the people that you are surrounded by and how you, how you can impact their lives. Um, she, she was the one for me. And, and, and every single day, I'm you know, quite a bit older now, but every single day I surround myself, you know, anybody that I surround myself with, I try to make a positive impact every single day like she did with me. That's fantastic. And I, and I'm very disappointed in you that at the tender age of nine, you did not have a full grasp of what was going on in the world. I mean, come on, man. Totally disappointed. Totally had such higher expectations for you. So guys, thank you so much for spending time today with uh, Drew and Sam Talk Training. Again, Nolan, what's the name of your podcast if people want to check it out? It's the 40 Pet Podcast. You can check it out on Spotify. And that's the number 40 Pet Podcast. Awesome. And it's directed towards uh, Team Hishmay, but would it be worthwhile for anybody that throws on a Domino's pizza uniform to have a listen. Oh, hundred um, percent. You know, we do have some things geared towards our, our own franchise, but the, the main interview is always just, I mean, 
even if you're not with Domino's, like we talk about leadership and we talk about, you know, what it takes to do the job and the mentality and, you know, how to get through those obstacles and stuff. And it's, it may sound like it's, it's repetitive, but the funny thing is, is I've talked to probably 10 different leaders and they've all had something that I've even learned from them every single time. And I've been with Domino's for 16 years. And so, you know, it's different every single time, but it, what's funny is the story is it, how they got to where they're at is always a little bit similar. Um, and, you know, we're, we're a special breed here at, at Domino's for sure. And, you know, getting to talk to a lot of these great people has been really, really amazing. Well, that's awesome. So uh, for our listeners, it's 40 Pep Podcast. Give it a listen. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, especially when Rocco makes a scene in the podcast. Ian, thank you so much for what you do for the brand and for your teams. It sounds like you are an inspiring and amazing leader. Uh, and I, I'm sure the folks that you're working with there in the Hishmay organization appreciate you to no end. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Sam. Absolutely. Thanks, Ian. To our listeners, thanks so much for listening. We would love it if you shared these podcasts with your friends. Like them, follow us, and subscribe. This has been another episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Sam with Bowser Consulting. I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Go out and sell more pizzas. And have more fun. That's all, folks.